Hello, everybody. It's North Attleboro's boy, Mark Schmidt, here to welcome you to another season of St. Bonaventure men's basketball. I know last year was kind of rough because we had lost quite a few guys from the year before, but this year, we're going to be a lot better. Most of our guys are returning, and we got a couple new wicked awesome additions to the team. Now, I've been watching a lot of college football in the offseason, especially Coach Deion Sanders up at Colorado. He's done a great job turning around that program, but I'm so sick of him on my fucking TV. It's ridiculous. He's selling Aflac in one ad. He's selling KFC in the other. It's enough. Too much of it. And I also need to be in these ads too. I need to be selling Duncan with Ben Affleck. Forget about Ice Spice. The people want Ice Schmidt selling them donkeys. By the way, speaking of ads, Beef and Barrel, where are my commercials? Where are Match Made in Heaven? Deion Sanders is Coach Prime, but guess what? I am Coach Prime Rib. SBM Burled and Friends, episode 49, Beef and Barrel. We need some more NIL money right now. Welcome everybody to episode 49 of SB Unfurled and Friends. Lobonex here with SB Unfurled. We are back from our summer hibernation. Unfurled and I finally got our summer tans, our farmer's tans all cleared up and, you know, the sun poisoning's all gone away. We're ready. The leaves have changed and we are ready for Bonnie's basketball. Unfurled, how are you feeling coming into the season? All the leaves are brown and the sky is gray. That means it's Bonna basketball season. I've just been yes. itching, uh, itching for the Bonnies. Like usually it's like July and I really start to miss them. And then it just, it kind of goes away and then it comes back a little bit. But lately, and I feel like it's from some of the news we got last weekend that we can talk about a little bit. And I'm the first one to always say, don't look into these secret scrimmage scores there's like there's no flow to it. It's basically a glorified practice. Teams are working out different sets. They want to see how things work against an opponent. They're stopping. They're starting. There's no flow. It's it's really um, it's really stupid to look too much into these secret scr- scrimmage scores. However, I always say like if you kick the team's ass or if you get beat really bad, that's that is like kind of something that you can take away from it. So oh, when course. I heard when I heard like we beat a good, a pretty solid Kent State team, they're probably going to finish top three, top two in their conference. Um, beat them handily without arguably our best player and um, possibly our starting point guard. That kind of turned my head a little bit when I got that news and I, how, just how good some of the guys looked, especially Charles Pride, which we'll get into as well that really started to uh, scratch my itch. And I, I've just been perked up, especially after how the Bills played Sunday. Like, I'm just in <laughs> full, full bottom mode right now. By the way, we're recording this Thursday night right before the Bills play the Bucks on Thursday Night Football for all you Amazon Prime subscribers or people who can, you know, 
find a way around that. So uh, I guess uh, good luck to you, I guess, because uh, the Bills have been falling apart. But we'll get mm-hmm. into all the stuff with the secret scrimmage in a bit. However, we need to bring in our third uh, guest, our first friend here of the season of SB Unfurled and Friends. This man, you, you, you don't know this man, but you know who knows this man? The people in the know in college basketball know this man. If you've mm-hmm. heard of a Trilly Donovan from Twitter, Trilly Donovan is this burner account who people think is somebody who's like an assistant coach connected to all these teams in uh, college basketball and gets all this information. People have been worried about him with Cooper Flagg and whether or not he's go- Cooper Flagg is going to Duke or UConn, number one recruit for the upcoming season. This guy is kind of like Trilly Donovan. He is gridsy. He is college basketball's number one premier defense expert. So, Gridzy, thank you so much for joining us here on SB Unfurled and Friends. Hey, absolutely. Thank you for having me. And like like I said, we're perimeter defense. Like we were talking about a little bit before we went live here is like the main key to Bonas basketball. As far as like in the past, maybe not last year, but the past they've had a lot of problem with the perimeter. But the perimeter is three points. When you go into the perimeter, it's only two. So like what we really need to do this year and what I've seen is we really need to step it up and out. Like let's let's let them get as many two points as they need, as they want, but stop the three ball. But thank you once again. Thank you for having me. Of course. So I didn't realize that. So two point shots are called the perimeter and three. Yeah, point the shots perimeter. Are called- yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's, I don't I don't okay. really like to get too technical, kind of like uh, kind of like sways the audience into my uh, knowledgeable background. But just so like moving forward, any shot inside the three point line is just called a perimeter. OK. OK, that makes sense. It's like it's kind of like how, um, you know, a zoologists use the Latin term for animals. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Well, like, it, I mean, it, com- it comes from a Latin term, uh, rim, which is also known as a hoop here in America. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, We're only a few good, minutes good in. Enough. We're a few minutes in, and everyone listening can already see why we had him on. He is a, a, a complete expert in perimeter defense. Yeah, just good. But thank you. Thank you. I, I feel very honored to be on the show among amongst great friends and great company. Mm-hmm. You know what? His job is rim. So I guess you could say he's a rim job expert, too. All right, anyways, let's get into the secret (laughs) scrimmage now. So, like you said, unfurled a few minutes ago, Kent State. Kent State's supposed to be one of the best teams in the MAC with 1A, and -hmm. it appears that the Bonnies dominated them, or at least in the last half of the scrimmage. As a little bit more of an insider than me, what have you gained from what happened at the secret scrimmage? Well, I can start. Even before the secret scrimmage, there was rumblings coming from people – very, very in the know, I will say that Moses Gritzy likes Flowers, a good rumbling. I do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Moses Flowers, right? And I talked to Lou Ruby over the summer at the Hickey after uh, a few Blackberry Brandy shots. He told Sweet. me the key to this season, the glue guy, the guy that's going to hold our team together, make the biggest improvement is Moses Flowers. Lo and behold, a month or two later, people within the program are saying that Moses Flowers made a huge, huge jump this year um, and that he's just going to be a really, really key piece to us, uh, even if he's coming off the bench, which he probably will, honestly. And I think if he does, he's going to be a 10 six man of the year. But um, he apparently played awesome. Charles Pride and Chad Venning played great. People are saying in the in the program that. Bona fans are going to absolutely love Charles Pride. He is just a dog. He is a, a classic Bona guy, just gritty, tough as nails, does it all. I put something out the other day about his offensive rebounding. There are only 
two players in the Schmidt era who have had more offensive rebounds in a season than Pride had his junior year. Pride had 96 huh. offensive rebounds. Oshun had 100 in 2019 his freshman year and Yusu in 2015 had 99 offensive rebounds so you're talking about our our big seven footers our some of our best centers since Andrew Nicholson Charles Pride is that tough he's always attacking the rim on offense he's getting putbacks um the the competition level will step up a little bit but they're saying like he is just a stat stuffer he, when I went to watch the open practice, just a really, really smooth jump shot. I don't know how uh, Gridzy would defend him on the perimeter. Maybe he has some keys <laughs> to that. I don't know how much film on Charles Pride he's watched. But, yeah, great things about Charles Pride and Moses Flowers. And Venning was awesome, too. So that's really good to hear uh, because I just think we say this every year, but there's a lot of options Uh I think, especially in our backcourt, and uh, and we can get into that a little more. But it seems like our guard depth is really going to help us out this year. Yeah, I think having Charles Pride is going to completely change the game for us this upcoming season because not only can he crash the boards and and on both ends of the court, but he's also the scorer that I think we were missing last season because obviously Daryl Banks is going to hit his outside shots, his perimeter shots. But we need our two-point <laughs> shots to cut, fall down a lot more. Our, or as Gridzy just revealed to us, rimeter. our rimeter, our rimeter yes. shots. We didn't really have a rimeter <laughs> shot creator beyond Chad Venning scoring from really at yeah. the literal rim, like two inches from the rim. So mm-hmm. um, I think Charles Pride is going to be that slasher, that, 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 that dynamic score that we really missed last season. Now, um, I know some of the controversy, at least from our good friends on the bandwagon, is Jan Farrell and Micah Adams-Woods, the new transfer from Cincinnati. Both of them did not play. Of course, when somebody doesn't play, that means, oh, they must be out for half the season or something traumatic. Oh, are they wearing a walking boot? As far as the rumors are, it doesn't sound like that has been the case. What have you heard about those two? Uh, Both season enders and Bana is bringing back football. Oh, we're bringing back football. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna be in the uh, SEC, actually, though. No, uh, nothing the, serious. The, the one that I, shuts down businesses, because I feel like that's the SEC that we'd be involved in. No, we would never. I do. I want, I want nothing to do that. That was a, a bandwagon joke. I want absolutely nothing to do with those scumbags down there. Um, <laughs> no, they're nothing major. I think Jan. It, it was put out somewhere. I can't remember where. It was just a concussion protocol thing. I, he's probably already back practicing, to be honest. And Adams Woods was just kind of a preventative type thing. Nothing major at all. Uh, they, they should be good to go by the season opener. But you're right about pride and how much he's going to help our offense. Last year, you felt like our guys couldn't create much off the dribble. Like you said, getting into the perimeter. Um, teams were just overplaying, especially when we got into A-10 play and the film was out on our guards and we didn't have guard depth. Our guard depth last year was literally just Brett Rumble. That was it. That was it. Uh, And he was out for a while, too. So we had like no guard depth. Luke was kind of forced and banks were forced to play 38, 40 minutes a game a lot. Teams would just overplay us on the perimeter, dare us to, um, you know, do things that we really weren't our strengths. Um, I think Charles Pride, Flowers, if he's improved, Adams Woods, they're going to open up things a lot for us. Just adding that 
a new score, making teams be honest on banks so they cannot overplay him on the perimeter like crazy. Um, teams are going to have to be a lot more honest with Adams Woods as well. Uh, when you saw Rumple or Luke bring it up the floor and running the offense, defenses could just kind of sag back and really pack it in, um, daring them to shoot. They're not going to have that luxury this year. There's just there's too many options on the perimeter. Um, so just just based on that alone, I think Banks is going to get a lot of really good clean looks. Last year, a lot of his shots were off broken plays. They were off transition threes. How many times do you remember him coming down, hitting a transition three and getting the crowd up? That's how he, and he, he did a good job with that, making, you know, making of it what he could, but it's going to be so much more, I I think in rhythm this year. Um, And we're going to be able to run plays specifically for him and get him open in ways that we couldn't last year because defenses were just overplaying and, and it was really, really tough. Yeah, you can see all the respect that um, Banks has been getting from the coaches and the media going into the preseason because he's first team all A-10 going into the preseason, which, you know, you can always take that for what it's worth. But, you know, I, I think it's I think it's a fair assessment of him because he was our offense, our entire offense, our only offensive threat for way too many stretches of the season. It was either him or maybe Venning would have, you know, some, some good nights. Mm-hmm. So I think pride and a resurgent um moses flowers will definitely help i actually want to get back to you with moses flowers i thought he had probably the second if not the best second half of the season last season mm-hmm. i i am very high on moses flowers I, I just don't know like he can't start i don't think he can start because of him being in the exact same spot that banks is normally in but he still is more than a capable scoring threat for us so what yeah. have you heard about um, his his emergence, his development over the last uh, you know few months? Yeah, and it's funny you say that, like the second half of the year, because the first half of the year last year, all the guys, if you remember, were still learning the system. Everyone's heard. We were everyone was new. You've heard it a million times, but like I felt like Flowers wasn't playing within the offense. And he was just kind of going ISO and trying to do his own thing. And I think once he got more comfortable within the offense and with his teammates, that's when you started seeing him um, improve and have some of his better games. Um, Yeah, like you said, the depth makes it so that he probably won't start much. He'll probably be coming off the bench because of pride right ahead of him. But Flowers can come in for Banks or for pride. So I think it, it you know, the point guards, uh, we can get into that later, but a position battle, possibly banks at the two pride at the three flowers can come in for either of them. So you have 80 minutes there at the two and the three to split amongst those three guys. So if there's a hot hand, maybe, maybe if banks is hot, maybe he plays 30 minutes and flowers only plays 15 or 20. If flowers is hot, maybe he gets more minutes and banks and pride can get a little more rest, but just having that uh, another guy there on the wing at the two, three spot to get into the rotation and give banks and pride a rest is going to be huge come March. But um, for flowers specifically, I, di- I don't know if I've heard anything super specific, like, Oh, he's really improved his jump shot or anything like that. Uh, I think it's just, he's made an overall jump. And I think part of that is becoming more familiar with the offense and the defense and the system and his teammates. We, uh, the consistency for us is going to be huge. These guys came in last year, not really knowing each other, never playing together, having a full season, a full 32 games or whatever 
in then an entire off season together. These guys are in the gym all the time. Um, yeah, like you can't say enough about how much that helps us. So I think it's more mostly just a fam- familiarity thing with him. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Flowers have to play a lot of point guard last season as a backup to Luke? And and if Rumpel wasn't either in, he was either injured or just wasn't seeing the court yet. Wasn't Flowers kind of looked at as a backup point guard last year? No, Flowers really exclusively played the three. Um, and then but I, thought he, the- I thought they forced him to play out of position sometimes. I know he's more of a two and a three, but I feel like they put, had him in a bit of a point guard role at times. Which no, no, he, I don't think he I, I think Banks may have handled point guard duties once in a while. Okay. Um, you know, if, if Luke was out and Rumpel couldn't play, but Flowers was pretty much exclusively the three and then Evans would back him up at the three. Um, but yeah, I mean, Flowers would move down to the two very seldomly, but he, I don't think he ever really played the one. I think um, either way, Banks would then be the point guard or, or if yeah. Flowers took the ball up once or twice. Okay. Like either way, both of those guys aren't the point guard. They should be the two and the three. So yeah. they're both playing out of position in a, in a certain way. So I think that's important mm-hmm. to note that we now have this almost a little bit of a log jam at point guard, which is a good problem to have because you have Cairo Luke obviously coming back. Mike Adams Woods, the new transfer from Cincy, who's going to be very good as well. And then, you know, it's not ideal, but of course, Banks and even Flowers could handle the ball a little bit. Mm-hmm. What do you expect out of the point guard position? Because ultimately, that's going to be the obviously number one facilitator for the team. From what I've heard, it's a position battle, and it's one of the better position battles we have had in a while, possibly back to even the great position battle of Justin Winston and Bobby Planudis. Um, but that, <laughs> that position battle was for who could play less minutes. Like they were trying not to, play. <laughs> I think these two guys are trying to actually play. Um, I, you know, is Micah Adams woods, a better overall basketball player than Cairo Luke right now? Pr- Probably. I don't know. I like I went back and I did watch Adams Woods and Cincy play against Houston when Houston they had Marcus Sasser and they were like number two. Awesome perimeter defense in that game. I'm sure Grids watched that one and he was just he was just diamond, diamond hard uh watching that game with all the perimeter defense. Adams it's- Woods impressed me. He he did um I don't think he like stuffed the box sheet much, but you just you could just tell like he he knew where he was supposed to be. He wasn't rattled by Houston's pressure. Houston, I think, had maybe the best defense in the league, um, that maybe even in the country. Uh, but you know he's not as familiar with the offense as Lucas. Uh, and if you're the point guard, Schmidt's got to be able to trust you doing that. Last year he didn't really have a choice, so Luke was kind of just baptism by fire thrown to the thrown to the wolves right away. Probably not being too familiar with the system. So if, if Luke starts the year starting at point guard, um, I think it's probably because he's more familiar with where he needs to be in the offense. But I think we'll start out probably a, a pretty close split. And by a 10 play, I think one or the other, possibly Adams Woods, will have one, maybe like 25, 30 minutes a game. And the other guy will be down to, you know, 10, 15 minutes a game. I think that's just how it's going to go. We got to see how they mesh and, and what Schmidt thinks. But um, we haven't had a point guard battle in a long time. Uh, it's been, right. you know, Cairo, only Luke was was on the team. I, I thought maybe it would have him last year. Rumpel got hurt and Luke was given the keys and he just kind of went with it. Um, but before that it was eight years of Lofton and Adam. So, you know, 
it'll yeah. be interesting. I think it's it's the position battle to watch as well as the backup four spot. Gridzy, I know um, Unfurl was talking about it. The you know this whole idea of the point guard situ- situation being very competitive and very tough. What do you make of that and how it can create a lot of points at the perimeter? Well, what happens is um, like a lot of people, especially what, what you're gathering now with the Bonus team, and I've, I've been to every practice and I, I've seen like all the film and everything huh. like that. A lot, of, a lot of people focus on the actual offensive side of the point guard, bringing the ball up, you know, starting the offense, uh, right. moving the ball around, stuff like that. But mm-hmm. a, a huge factor uh, that a lot, not a lot of people really get into and stuff like that is the perimeter defense of a point guard. If you can stop them, like if they're coming up the, if they're coming up the court and you stop them, make them give it to the two, three awkward in the corner, something like that, maybe force them down to, uh, you know, drive in the perimeter a little bit and a kick out. And then, then the best play on earth happens. So there's a guy in the corner, he gets the ball, he's ready to shoot. Best perimeter defense you can do is a hundred miles an hour run and jump at him with the chance of swatting the ball as far in the reds as possible. Now it's an unselfish stat because most of the time they pump fake and then just go around and score. But that gets in, that gets in every single person on the court, on the bench, in a Jersey, in that arena that gets in their head. Like, Oh man, if I would have shot that, how embarrassing that like we live in a world of social media and quick videos. You get one video of that perimeter defense of a guy just yakking the ball into the student section and that's it. The game's over. The refs call it. Let's go home. Wrap it up. <laughs> You're right. I mean, I think the net should contribute more clicks into their formula because I remember that situation uh, coming up when the Bonnies played Dayton last season on uh, on ESPN. I believe it was it was it Daryl Banks who actually swatted uh, Mike Sharv Jumps uh, into the yeah. into basically the Reds, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a cool picture. Let me check of my notes. Yes, yes, that was him. <laughs> yeah, it was like at the end of the game, and we were up by probably like five. But that was that felt like a very exactly five exactly punctuation. Five. That felt like a punctuation exclamation point exclamation. And, yes. Yeah, yeah. Hard to say, right? No, yeah. it, it felt like an exclamation point of that whole game where we were up for a considerable amount of time, and that goes exactly to what Grizzly is talking about. I think they should actually give you a point for that. It should be like a free throw essentially. Right. Well, so we've talked about this uh, in different circles and different, like I have a, I have a lot of connections that of course, obviously I'm not allowed to get into, but sure. what we, do, we what we talked sure. about was not necessarily giving the the team that, that does that a point, but actually taking one point away from the person that, that gets blocked. And then, uh. what, so it's like, it's like a little up and down thing, stuff like that. I don't know if, when Vegas got involved, I know that's when the, the communication line kind of, kind of stopped because the, you know, spread, and stuff like that. And I'm not a gambler. I don't like gambling. I don't believe in it. So I don't really know a lot of that stuff. But um, so like, just know that there are rumblings in the very high up that the, something like that, a minus point could happen. Just you I mean, know, keep that, keep that. Wow. In mind. Imagine being up four or imagine being down four, but you're on defense and you swat the shot into the reds or whatever the equivalent will be in another arena. Then you're only down three. Now it's a one possession yes. game. That oh, you also changes get, it. You also get ball back on that. If it's like mm. an oh, awesome one. Possession? Yeah, you get ball back. Yeah. Uh, wow. If you flex, if you do the thing where like you flex out like the triceps a little bit, uh, that automatic ball back. So then now you nice. have if one from four points. The other team has the ball. Now you have the ball. Three points. The best shot in the game is three pointer. So, I mean, we're talking about changing the game for the better. And, uh, you know, everyone, wow. everyone wins here. That's ex- exciting, exciting times in the world of yes. perimeter defense. Yes. Like maybe as exciting as it's ever been. Correct. Yeah. Now, 
That's now, awesome. here's a question. You mentioned social media. Does social media play a role in this? Like, will we have a circumstance where people get to vote on a flash poll in 20 seconds? You know how fast live betting can go. In 20 seconds, they vote. And if the team gets that point deduction or not, like, are we are we going to crowdsource this to social media and then just really, like, open up Pandora's box on all the biggest ills in our society by having social media control this? I mean, that's incredibly astute of you. Uh, so what we talked about was not necessarily giving it to the general public because there's a lot of like yahoos out there that will just vote for whatever or something like that. Yeah. But there's actually going to be a committee right. of 702 people that have to watch every single game Ooh. that will vote on every single one. Now, uh, the big thing I brought up about it was the 702 is a terrible number because it's even and then right. there could be there could be a tie. Uh, so what, what they said that in the matter of, of a tie is that the – you do you lose the two points, but the other team does get the ball back, and we're starting oh. we're starting to get in like all sorts of weird <laughs> loopholes and stuff like that. And like, oh, my head's spinning when I was in that conference. But like, I, it's just it's you know, it, there's a lot of ups and downs, a lot of gives and takes, and we're trying to just work it out. And I'm hoping that sometime mid February of of this coming basketball season, it'll be in place. It, it is going to go in mid year. They're not going to wait to the start of a new season. They feel like they got to get it in right before oh. March happens. Oh, oh. so they're just gonna. Unleash it on us on like February. I'm not gonna put a date on it, but like like fe- by the by the end of February, they're just gonna unleash it right before a tens. Correct. Yes, yes, that is the plan. Before conference play, this this is gonna go into effect. And is this just an a ten thing, or is this a nationwide thing? Oh no no no! All, all Division One basketball, most of Division Two, and uh, none of Division Three. Uh, oh. just, well, we, yeah, well, we the Atlantic the Atlantic Ten is Division One in name only this year. Like it's it's getting pretty rough. Sure. <laughs> 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 I'm 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 so happy for you honestly and I'm happy that they're not crowdsourcing it because as you know like people take perimeter defense very seriously and we can't just let that up to any yahoo like no no and since when should any yahoo just over the age of 18 be able to vote anyway like you should you should have to know what you're talking about there you should be on committees you should be sitting in meetings like you are and I know you take this stuff very seriously which we're grateful for that's why we have you on um just exciting times, and by the way, just just to throw this out there, interior defense disgusts me. It's gross. Do you know how it's cool disgusting. dunking is? It's awesome. Just yeah. let them do it. Get the yeah. ball back. Shoot a three. The three's worth more than a dunk. It's like it's just. But then, yeah, yeah. yeah it, I don't know. See, I'm getting fired up, and I, and I told you I didn't want to get fired up in this po- this podcast. Right. But yeah. okay, hold on. I'm gonna take a break. Okay, okay. You guys go. Yeah. We'll, we'll so, give him a breather, thinking about interior defense. Just oh. yeah, we'll give him some time and space, and let him. Let him regather his thoughts. Of course, but unfurled. I want you to be on the record. Are you for or against the IDF, the Interior Defense Force? I don't like interior defense. So let, let's let let the let's set the record straight. Unfurled is against the IDF. Period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am glad we know where you stand on that because a very that's a very controversial issue right now. Yeah, no. Since about two thousand four, I I'm out on it, I, and I haven't gone back really. I haven't had any curiosity about it. I've only also been looking at perimeter defense and and pressing as well. I don't know what Gridzy thinks about pressing. I know he's really rattled right now and we should give him a little more time. It'll nope. be interesting though cuz that's not perimeter defense, that's full court defense. No, yeah, you don't want to go over half court. It's it's scary over there. Like you're yeah. going to get beat and then it's an easy transition 3 which is the easiest shot in basketball. So, I mean, just, yeah, you got, you got to bring it in. I, I, you know, kids are starting to shoot from farther away. Like they move the three point line back. Kids got the, the, you know, uh, got all sorts of ideas of grandeur where they can hit it from anywhere and they're starting to do it. So like, I I like to play 10 feet off the line, but any more than that, you, you just don't need to do it. 
what Steph Curry has done to the game of basketball has made Gridzy's life all the more important because everyone wants to shoot threes. And now what is valued in basketball perimeter defense. So really Gridzy may have Steph Curry to thank for how, how famous he is now. Oh, we had a, we had a role in setting that up. We, uh, we, I, I, like uh, most of my connections are in college basketball, but you know, with college, we transitioned into the NBA a little bit and we kind of gave them the leeway. Uh, they made the, the rims a little bit bigger for any golden state game, just them, but, um, <laughs> yeah, not a lot. It was like three inches of uh, yeah. full di- diameter and stuff like that, but just kind of get the game going because yeah. nobody cared about the step out defense. And it's like, it's like, that's my life. That's what uh, I do. That's who I know? am. How can you know? So, yeah. Yeah. I agree. I just want to say I'm on record that the IDF has been doing worse things than before the early 2000s. But anyways, let's go on to what the (laughs) schedule is saying with Longwood opening up the season in a week. I know we'll do a preview before Longwood um, comes up on November. What date is that actually? The 6th. I thought so. The 6th. Not looking ahead past Alfred because you know what? Alfred may keep it within 35 points. But I, Did you I guess see the SUNY, the, not to cut you off, sorry, but the, the SUNY Amherst score from recently. No, I didn't. Are you talking about football or basketball? Because either uh, one's probably yeah. embarrassing. Well, there was, well, there was one from football that I was sent today, um, and I will pull that up. But if you look up there, they, I was surprised they posted it. They played. Let's see here. Where are we at? I type in. Oh, they're not under. Their name is not under SUNY Amherst. I'm sorry. I actually I accidentally typed in SUNY Amherst. Um, well, you can blame it Elon was, for that, I guess. Elon's Musk's fault. <laughs> yeah. Oh, here we go. Okay. Um, they played Damon, a D three school. So oh, they, Damon. Yeah. UB SUNY Amherst won seventy one sixty seven against Damon. Um, so much you know not i don't know why they put that out there but the um football score is even more shocking though and we what do we beat we beat uh can't read can't write can't state by like 22 i think yeah it was something around 20 oh here we go um i got it right here this is a on this date so it's october 26th in 1901 the University of Buffalo loses to Michigan 128 to nothing. Oh. The, Wolverines, the Wolverines finish the season 11 and 0, outscoring their opponents 550 to 0. Michigan scored 22 touchdowns against Buffalo, and it could have been way worse, but Buffalo's coach Gordon had the second half reduced to 20 minutes from 30. Okay. Well, I think I think SUNY Amherst is just trying to uh, raise all the schools in the in the Buffalo area because I I, I thought I had heard some legitimate um, rumors of Buffalo State possibly going D one, but I think that must have just uh. been somebody on the bandwagon who uh, had a few too many few too many Jennies. So uh, yeah, I guess that's not true. So maybe you know they're just trying to lift Damon up. Maybe they'll start you know I don't know mm-hmm. who else they could play. Maybe some uh, Brockport games where you know SUNY Amherst will lose them in the regular season even I, I think that's you know that's some good outreach by them yeah i think canisius has played fredonia but um speaking of <laughs> yeah our first two games if you want to get into the schedule longwood and canisius gotta win them both we have by the way we have to sweep our in-state rivals our annual oh state rivals this year they're terrible niagara canisius suny amherst and siena 
I mean, if you look at like the like how they project, we absolutely if if we want if we have postseason aspirations, which all of them do, we have to find a way to sweep all of them. Like we cannot drop another game to one of these teams. Well, the funny thing is, we actually play three of them back to back to back: SUNY Amherst, Niagara, and Siena. Yeah, all in early uh, early December, early, right yeah. before the Florida Atlantic game, which is my number one game of the season. I'm I'm beyond ecstatic for that we'll get into that in a little bit but yeah longwood canisius um this is not the same longwood team that made the tournament i believe two years ago they're they're on their way down and canisius is not much better yeah we can get into those you know next week but longwood canisius do not seem like they should be anything that we should be worried about no but early in the year it is it is difficult. Um, I think our consistency from last year, bringing back our best six players on top of the guys that we brought in who are veterans, who are leaders, who are really tough. There's no reason we should lose these early games. Um, it shouldn't take us because these other teams have to get a rhythm too. It shouldn't take us you know, into February. Like some years it does to really find the right rotation, the right rhythm. I hope we can hit the ground running because I would hate for us to put together a really good A10 slate and look, then look back at like, oh, we, we lost to Canisius again or Niagara. Like, are you kidding me? So um, I hope they understand the importance. I think Schmidt's usually pretty good at um, relaying the importance of these rivalry games, but we got to get up for these games. Like going into Niagara, into Gallagher on a Wednesday, like it's easy to kind of, you know, Find yourself in a trap game in these scenarios. Can't happen. We have to be on the ball every night against these these lower teams that we're playing. Right. We had that same continuity that we had going into the 2021-2022 season. I mean, I know that we were more of a top 25 threat that year, but it's still that same continuity. It's still this, essentially the same starting five. You know, we have some two new pieces that are going to be great. And we lost Anwar Malouk and Anquan Hill, but I don't think that's anything, you know, too significant to lose. So I would firmly expect to, you know, be 2-0 going into the Brooklyn mini tournament that we're playing against Oklahoma mm-hmm. State and then either Auburn or Notre Dame. I'm excited for those. I, I plan on going to both those games down there. So, uh, I mean, yeah. I think I'm, what do you I'm think glad- of this opportunity? Because... Um, you know, Oklahoma State, they had they didn't make the, they they didn't participate in the tournament last year because they did a self-imposed ban because they knew they weren't good enough. But it seems like they're better. Auburn's always been very good for the last five years or so. And Notre Dame, you know, they may be getting a little better after a down year last year when we crushed them. I'm glad you brought up 2022 because I think I, I, I want to compare this team to that team. And here's why <clears throat> that entire offseason. Everyone knew from the year before when we went to the tournament who was going to play, right? Our one through five were going to play 35 plus minutes a game. They they branded themselves pretty uncreatively. Iron Man 5 2.0. Um, Weren't we involved with that, though? No. I thought really. we did. We, we didn't do that. I kind of thought we. No. I mean, everyone started calling them that, but like we already we already had that. But I, I feel like uh-huh. like I thought we might have been involved in that. <laughs> no, I no, not really. I mean, we were um, definitely calling them Ironman Five Two Point Whoa! Oh, everyone called them that, but I just <laughs> I just didn't like it. Like it excludes guys on the bench who are coming here and putting an effort all the time. 
there was no comp. I, I feel like there's probably no like trying to win minutes in practice. And it seemed like those five, like everyone saw it. there were games where they were, it seemed like they were just complacent and uh, content and there was no fire and there was no urgency. It's, I feel like it's going to be the opposite this year. It seems like these guys are fighting for minutes in practice. Um, we already talked about the point guard spot, but like even the backup four, Jan Farrell, I think will be an all conference player this year but there's minutes to be one backing him up between Barry Evans and Dwayne Thompson there's minutes for flowers to be winning over guys like you know getting as many minutes as he can uh in relief of banks and pride there's minutes at the backup center position that are going to be one Venning will probably play 25 30 maybe even more in some games depending on foul trouble but if we're getting up and down the floor and playing a little more fast pace, there's minutes to be one at the backup five position between Noel Brown and Melly and Martinez. Um, so that miles Rose, like he's coming in as a freshman. I think there's minutes to be one. There's minutes to be one all over. I think there's really high energy competitive practices. And in 20 going into 2022, you didn't really have that. Like, um, there wasn't a guy who was going to win, trying to win 10, 15, 20 minutes. There wasn't a guy who, um, you know, maybe they were good enough on some other A-10 teams to do that. Linton Brown, I thought, could have been a good piece for us. Unfortunately, he couldn't play most of the year. But you knew what the deal was going into the year, and that's kind of why we couldn't recruit backups. No one wants to come in and ride the pine for 40 minutes a game. This year, there was minutes to be won, and I think there's a, a higher energy level a lot of competition in practice, and I think that's going to go a long way this year. I'm glad you mentioned both Dwayne Thompson and Miles Rose, especially Thompson, because I was on Three Bid League a few months ago, and he asked one of the guys. They asked me about um, about Miles Thompson and why he reclassified, which I didn't have a good answer for, but I would imagine he wouldn't reclassify to this year as opposed to you know staying in the class of 2024. Yeah, I would imagine he wouldn't do that unless he got some assurance that he could play this season. So for both um, Miles Thompson, Miles Rose and Dwayne Thompson, both Putnam Science guys, Miles Rose from Rochester. Shout out to the 716, the ROC, the Rock. What do you make of both these guys and how they can contribute? Because we know who the, you know, five or six returners are that have been playing a lot. And we know Charles Pride is going to be a very big impact as well as Micah Adams was to some extent. But the two freshmen, where do you see them fitting in? This year, uh, it's going to be tough, and it's just because of the guys in front of them. But that's not a bad thing. Like Some of our best players in the Schmidt era hardly played at all when they were freshmen. And I went through all of them on a pod last year when we were talking about Barry Evans, and hopefully he's not getting discouraged. Barry Evans, as a freshman, played way more than like Ladarian Griffin or Demetrius Conger or Deion Wright. He played way more than any of them did as a freshman. Right. Um, so especially tough for miles Rose, like you're looking at a depth chart of, uh, Charles pride, Daryl banks, Moses flowers, all the guys that we already mentioned going to be really tough for him as a freshman to get time. But if he's practicing against these guys all year and he's getting experience and he's learning from these guys next year, like most of those guys, all those guys I just mentioned, I think are fifth year seniors. There's a lot of minutes to be won next year. Um, so 
I, I really hope we're not in the era, uh, or at least these guys are not buying into the era of, oh, I didn't play much, so I'm going to transfer. There's a lot of minutes to be won. So for Rose specifically, I if he if he finds a way to crack the, this rotation, watch the hell out because he is going to be a stud, apparently, if, if he can crack this rotation. For Thompson, I think um, I saw him. I, I, I liked what I saw when I went to the uh, practice that when they did a selector seat day, um, he's really battling Barry Evans uh, and, and Barry Evans didn't have a jump shot really last year. I liked Evans, how active he was on defense seemed like he had the red light from what I heard Schmidt saying, some pressers um, shooting the ball. But if he's worked on his jump shot, uh, absolutely. Like he, he can win some minutes at the four, I don't know. Uh, and, and I listened to Dana Valentine uh, on an interview yesterday. He said both of those guys have been really impressive uh, in practice and, you know, learning the system. And he said Evans has made a big jump and Farrell has made a really big jump. Thompson has looked good. But Thompson is, I think, two years younger than Evans. So, you know, whoever wins out of those two is going to get, you know, five, ten minutes at the four, probably backing up Jan. I don't see a big role for either of them this year or Martinez because of venting. Um, but I think it's going to be one of the most important years for them because of all the guys they're learning from and how much they can grow from freshman year to sophomore year, just in practice and learning from Schmidt. I hope they're patient because I was feeling the same way with the guys that weren't playing on the 2021-22 team because they, they could see five seniors starting in front of them who were all going to be gone mm-hmm. next season yet yeah. some people left and other guys didn't stay and or didn't play much it was i don't know it, i was surprised at the turnover that happened with that team so i want i worry about that now with with you know the way college sports is now of course we can find somebody to replace them that's not a big issue and on that end hopefully mm-hmm. so i'm just well, surprised I- that you said that miles rose is going to be more likely to make any kind of impact the season than Dwayne Thompson because I've heard more hype around Thompson. Oh, but, did I, I mean that's just I me. That, if I said that, I misspoke because I don't think Rose is going to this year just because of the depth chart and who's in front of him. I think Thompson can win minutes because he's okay. competing with Barry Evans to back up Jan Farrell. All right, I might have misheard you. Yeah. That might have yeah. been my bad. I but also I, 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 I misspeak a lot, so I may have misspoke. Either you misspoke or I misheard. <laughs> You guys can rewind it and figure out who was wrong and let us know. Or don't. I don't know. We don't know. It's hey, it's still preseason, so we're still getting the getting the cobwebs shook shucking off, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so random stat, I was just looking, uh, because I, I'm hoping Gridzy's back and he's caught his breath a little bit. In that twenty twenty two season when we were ranked, our Perimeter defense was 216th in the country. Not good at all. Last year, our perimeter defense was fifth in the entire country. We were a top five perimeter defense team last year. We held teams to 28% from three-point range. We were really fifth overall in the country. It was our best, and that's why we have Gridzy on. I think that's why he has taken a liking to St. Bonaventure after last year. Our the, The next highest was... 78 that was our block percentage um that means we on offense too that just means we didn't get blocked much which is kind of surprising well Um, we didn't shoot much from two (laughs) so that's probably why (laughs) that's true but yeah by far our best statistic 
was our perimeter defense fifth in the country. Oh yeah. I would not have been here two years ago. Like you couldn't have gotten me on this podcast, but after what I saw you guys put together <laughs> and everything last year, I'm like, you know what? These guys have it now. Now fifth is unreal. It's un- it's amazing. And it's good mm-hmm. stuff. And going forward with the same guys you guys got, as long as you keep the perimeter defense up and forget about the perimeter defense, I, I, I've got to talk to Mark. I got to talk to him and just be like, Hey man, all five out there. You know yeah. what I mean? What's all it going to do? All five on the, uh, right on the perimeter, right on the line, Ooh, all five. Yeah. Uh, you know, what's going to happen? They make a, they make a two pointer. That's cool. (laughs) Yeah. Get the ball in quick. Now you guys are already ahead of them because you're on the backside relay down three pointer. That's worth more than two by one. And you know, and that's how you win games. And that's just how you win games. We let them make twos while we make threes. Make threes. Transition threes are the easiest thing in the sport. We shouldn't miss any of them. Nope. Um, so yeah, well, I'm doing a little bit uh, digging a little deeper, and these are all teams that Grids will be very, very familiar with. The top six perimeter defensive teams last year. Number one was Tennessee. They were a four seed in the tournament. Number two was Houston. They were a one seed. Number three was Alabama. They were a one seed. Number four was San Diego State. They were a five seed. And then, the, then, uh, then the Bonnies. Then the Bonnies. And then Auburn, who was a nine seed. So you had Wait. one. <laughs> One seeds, four seeds, five seeds, nine seeds, and then the Bonnies are fifth in the country in perimeter defense. Perimeter that is defense. like that what is like is. the that's like the dragon meme where it's like the the two badass dragons and the one dragon that was like goofy looking. It's like five dragons and then St. Bonaventure. Yeah. <laughs> Last year, yeah, like that there were uh five really, really good tournament teams. Uh one or two of them went to the final four. And then you got the Bonnie. So yeah, if I've been saying it for, I mean, for 62 years, like I I know the three point line didn't come around back then, but I knew it was gonna. And like, you just (laughs) like these teams that do good on the perimeter defensively, they always do well. Now, Bonas had had a rough time getting their offense going a little bit, but I think this year from, you know, from the things you guys have said and, and like the tapes I've reviewed and everything like that, I think they're going to pull it, pull it together. They've got a lot more depth in the guard position, which is that's the key to perimeter defense and offense is, you know, you need that guard play and hopefully they can keep, I mean, maybe don't shoot for fifth, but you keep it in the top 10, top 12. And you know, Bonna's Bonna's going to be dancing. They're going to be dancing. I said it here. They're going to be dancing. How so, unfurled, what you're saying is that if the Bonnies play Auburn on the Friday of Brooklyn, basically mm-hmm. the first team to make a three-pointer wins. Oh, yeah. That's going to be a juicy, juicy. And I hope we do play Auburn because I was looking at that as well. They are a much, much better team, at least projected to be much better than Notre Dame, who is the other team that will that will be in that little round robin or that tournament. Um so if we're looking at building a resume early, we want Auburn to win. And if we do play Auburn, watch out because it's going to be tough to make threes in that game. Yeah, I mean, and that'll be one of our best opportunities to get a quality win because other than mm-hmm. Dayton, there's not really that much on the high end of things in the A-10. Yeah, it would just be no. Auburn, Oklahoma State, and then Florida Atlantic, which that's my favorite game still. I can take the train in that game. I am pumped for that one. You know, MGM Springfield. We got UMass and West Virginia, the Trey Mitchell Bowl that's going to be happening also that same day. So that'll that'll be fun. But yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a very good season overall. A lot of the preseason rankings are putting us anywhere between second and mm-hmm. maybe fifth at the at the worst. Like even yeah. some outliers are putting us fifth. But it seems yeah. like we're pigeonholed into 
being a fairly consensus top four double by team going into the season. So just, I guess just to wrap it up here broadly, what do you make of how we are going in everybody's eyes to a barely middle of the pack team to now being almost neck and neck with Dayton for the top? Yeah, you wonder how much of that is familiarity. You wonder how much of it is the A-10 maybe just doesn't project to be very good this year. Uh, It projects to be like the 10th best conference uh, behind the AAC. Um, It's kind of where I thought they would be. Ken Palm says we have the right now projected to have the best offense in the conference and right up there among the best defenses. I don't know what to expect from uh, teams like VCU. I feel like I give them the benefit of the doubt. Even with a new coach, an entirely new roster, I would still give them the benefit of the doubt over Keith Dambra and Billy Lang. I just do. I just think Odom's a really good coach. I think Dayton will be there. Um, They have, you know, they lost Kamara, who's NBA player, but they got back. He's doing a lot better than the NBA than I expected, by the way. Yeah, I was surprised. He's like, I I mean, the season just started a few days ago, but it seems like in the preseason, he was, you know, even towards the end of the preseason when they're actually playing more of the starters, he was doing pretty well. And if you're a Dayton fan, you look back and you're like, we had him and Holmes and we like, (laughs) I kind of, I do get why they, they are so hard on Grant because they played so slow, like so slow. Um, and you want to just get those guys out into an NBA style play. Like he just won't do it, but, um, exactly. yeah, I mean, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say back to, um, VCU and how you're expecting them to, you know, do what VCU normally does, which is compete in the top five, at least. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would expect that just based on the reputation. It seems like they've gotten some good guys in from Utah state with Ryan Odom, I th- I'm very interested to see what VCU, St. Joe's, and Loyola do because I feel yeah. like that's those three are a very big example of what preseason hype can do and like what it actually turns out to be because St. Joe's has basically everybody returning too, but St. Joe's has kind of been a little bit of a train wreck and Billy Lang just he only does perimeter defense. He doesn't do perimeter defense. Yeah. <laughs> he Sucker. just gives up. Th- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> He's the exact opposite of what Gridzy is saying. There's no perimeter. There's no perimeter defense. It's all perimeter defense. They're, they only, they don't defend the three. They only shoot threes and they don't shoot the three very efficiently. So then they're just wasting mm-hmm. possessions. Meanwhile, Loyola, I, I think Loyola has some talent that's going to develop, but I'm a little bit confused about their resurgence in the preseason polls so i think it's going to be very interesting to see how those three teams are going to do generally speaking with you know their preseason hype that they've gotten yeah loyola has some good players um and i was looking at my my ratings which i think are really really accurate i wouldn't put these out there if i didn't um i would hope not (laughs) three three top 25 players um according to my my numbers that i use um Edelikin, i think that's how you say it dolan alston but they have tom welch Braden norris um those are are good players too st joe's i think has the second best player in the conference in eric reynolds they also have cameron brown lynn greer those guys are good um duquesne on paper has a lot of good individual talent but I still just got to see Dan Brat put it together. They've had teams in the past that have a lot of good individual talent um, back in like 2018, 2019. Those 
those teams uh, that we got into like scuffles with in the tournament. Maybe it was like 2020, okay. 2021. <laughs> they had good, good, really good individual players, but they just didn't put it together. Same kind of with St. Joe's. I'm like a, I'm more of a, you got to prove it to me first. Like, I'm not just going to put Duquesne or Joe's up there. Sorry, you're you're behind VCU or in Dayton until I see otherwise. Even if it's a brand new coach and a brand new roster at VCU, I think they which they did have a big injury, which which is going to be pretty impactful. But I just I don't see a Fordham. I think they'll be back in the bottom half of the conference. Sorry, but I do. Um, GW doesn't really play defense. Bishop is good offensively. No perimeter defense at all. Sorry, Gridzy for <laughs> GW. Richmond, I don't think has it. Like there, it's very few. St. St. Louis, Jimerson's going to be good, but like I don't know if they have any other guys who are capable. They they don't have any other really all Not really all conference caliber guys. Uh, then you're you're looking at like Mason, UMass, Rody. Like I the A ten's kind of down. I I just think our, on paper our roster and our staff not on paper knows how to put that shit together i just think we project to be really good but not just because the other teams are bad but you know i i do think we have a, a really solid balanced roster i think we can get into more of the a10 um just assessment of where those teams are coming into the season next time as well as yeah. i really want to talk about the oklahoma state auburn Notre dame tournament as well as florida atlantic I think we should really dive into that next time. Um, but we, you know, this is, you know, I think it's going to be a very interesting ride for the Bonnies. I think the Bonnies are positioned in a very good spot, almost to where we were coming into 21, 22, like we mentioned before. And yeah, I just, I, I think we are, you know, getting ready to fly. We're getting ready. Episode number 50 will be the next one. So we'll be excited for that. So uh, I just want to thank Gridzy once again for coming on with us. Thank you again, Gridzy. Absolutely. College basketball, college basketball's foremost surprise secret uh, perimeter defense expert. Thank you so much for joining us and taking some time away from you know confiding with Dan Hurley and Ed Cooley and all the big wigs in the Big East and, and other conferences too. Absolutely, man. I, I mean, I'm, I'm very appreciative of you guys inviting me here. Uh, maybe sometime down the road, we'll see. Uh, I can come back or something like that. But like I said, you play perimeter D, you shoot the three. You bring home the trophy. Okay. Ooh. Thank you. Love it. I love get, it. I get on a shirt right now. Hey, Rothstein, get on it. Let's go. <laughs> but thank you all so much for joining us here on SB Unfurled and friends. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at SB Unfurled. Unfurled has a great breakdown of all the teams in the A10 going into the season. We can read about it more. We'll talk about it next time as well. But go ahead, go to SBUnfurled.com and read it up on the a10 preview for the entire season follow me on twitter for nonsense at little bon x notice how we're not saying x don't even call it x nobody calls it x don't worry <laughs> you follow me on blue sky it. unfurled i gotta get you a blue sky code we can get you a blue sky quote as well and yeah thank you so much for joining us and we will see you next time be sure to also subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform to listen to us as well and you know watch the alfred game we'll see this new slightly new look team and hopefully we'll have a win go bodies Go box. Yeah.